0: filmmaker commentary episode 143 welcome to filmmaker commentary where we cover movies with commentaries from directors who take the time to record them on blu-ray and dvds we also give our detailed insights so look out for spoilers we discuss the latest in showbiz news along with movies and tv shows that we've been
1: watching so join reginald titus jr that's me and casey g smith that's me every week here on filmmaker commentary
0: Welcome to Filmmaker Commentary. I'm Reginald Titus Jr. I'm joined with KCG Smith. Welcome back, sir. Good to be back, sir. And today we're talking about Ed Wood, directed by Tim Burton. It was released in 1994. And what was the box office and the budget on this film, Ed Wood?
1: So, on Ed Wood, we have an estimated box office of $18 million. Okay. And a worldwide gross of $5.9 million. Wait, 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 wait. let's run that back. What happened? A <laughs> estimated budget of $18 million and a worldwide box office of five point nine. That's a disaster. Terrible. Terrible, terrible results at we- the box office for, for Mr.
0: Burton. Oh, my God. I mean, you got Tim Burton, you got Johnny Depp, for crying out loud,
1: Bill Murray, Sarah Jessica Parker. Yikes! Vincent, De, Vincent in a quick cameo. Yeah, that's a that's a hella L right there. Yeah. That is, <laughs> oof! Like I mean, you. Mm, yeah, that's a. It's a yeah. tough landing. It is a tough landing. It's a tough landing. I mean,
0: like to show your face around Hollywood because basically Hollywood's like it's like high school on steroids in a way, you know. And uh, everybody knows in town what's up, what's hot, what's not. But
1: as we talk about awards, there is a bit of a saving grace. Let's get to it. All right. So, uh, Ed Wood would go on to uh, receive a 2020 award. This is all the way back. Okay. Forget that. I'm not going to mention that one. Let's, let's talk about what, what really matters. <laughs> Tim Lake, thanks. <laughs> so, at the Academy Awards, the 1995 Academy Awards, okay. it won an Oscar for Best Actor in a Supporting Role, Martin Landau, portraying one Bella Lugosi. It also won an uh, Oscar for Best Makeup by Ve Neal, Yolanda, Tosieg and of course the famous Rick Baker mm-hmm. for the again for the makeup that they did. Also won a couple of, of Saturn Awards for Best Music, Best Actor, Martin Landau once again, and also Best Makeup again, Rick Baker and, and crew. Mm -hmm. Uh, Won American Comedy Award for Best uh, American Comedy, Funniest Supporting Actor in a Motion Picture by Martin Landau. Stole the show. Chicago Film Critics, once again, Martin Landau, Best Supporting Actor. The Dallas-Fort Worth Critics Association Awards. Shout out. Best Actor, Martin Landau. Let's go. Uh, Golden Globe, Best Performance in an Actor in a Supporting Role. Guess who? (laughs) Martin Landau. Martin Landau. The National Society of Film Critics Awards uh, for Best Cinematography. And Best Supporting Actor Screen Guild Actors Award, the Screen Actors Guild Awards, excuse me, Best Supporting Role or Outstanding Performance by a Male Actor in a Supporting Role, Martin Landau. Um, and there's some other ones, but uh, yeah, so Saving Grace, that uh, Academy was Awards, Martin Landau. So you could just say,
0: <laughs> shout out. Basically, yeah, he's like, hey, you know, you know, we won two Academy Awards.
1: Yeah, the Academy Award-winning Ed. Wood, which I, I'm positive we could go back and we could find some probably many Academy Award winning films that didn't make a whole lot of money.
0: Yeah, it seems like they kind of know that going into it, <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, especially when it comes to some of these bio, like going back and like old school Hollywood
1: and kind of going back, it seems and it's an award season. We're and not- it being in black and white and yeah. and about a director that was not known for doing movies. Very well. I remember seeing the trailers for this and I was like, huh? Yeah. Like, what? What is, I, I had no desire to see this movie. At it, When all. I was a kid. I was like, nah, sorry Tim. I'm, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be on this ride.
0: Because like now that we're in the, you know, we've produced our own films. True. Stored in some. You yes, said. Um, so have some success with it. It, um, now the, these stories intrigue me. You could appreciate the struggle. For sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> I
1: respect. I see. Respect. <laughs> trying to get it done. Yeah. It is even, even in like the failing times Because now he's got like a bit of a cult, cult following. Mm-hmm. Even for this to be, to be made is, is evidence of that. Yeah. Um,
0: but yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. So you can appreciate this more. This one. I think uh, David Fincher just recently came out with a black and white film. Kind of going back over, you know, old Hollywood. Uh, was, I do want to check it out. I can't even remember the title. You know, we talked about it on one of the our recent podcasts over the last fifteen or twenty episodes. I just can't remember what episode, but uh, we had talked about it. But definitely not something
1: that's hey, we should watch this. Mm. <laughs> Again, like- I, I don't, I don't mind now in my more mature. <laughs> years, <laughs> I don't mind the film being in in black and white. Uh, not necessarily a deterrent for me, but for some people it is. Some people are like, Neh. like instantly checked out if they don't see color. Yeah, I'm like, like, what are we doing here? I'm like uh, <laughs> It's monochrome. Come on, jump on board the monochrome track.
0: What's your favorite black and white film?
1: Favorite black, uh, that, well, up to date?
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm
1: going go to, to 2020. Go- <laughs> two. 20, okay, yeah. so uh, within that, that massive span of time of film history, <laughs> of all of film history, it, uh, of what I've seen, it's going to be Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde from nineteen. I want to say thirty nine, mm-hmm. starring Frederick March. March, which won best academy best male actor at the Academy Awards. It's actually a dual award, but that's so far. Thinking right now, it's my favorite black and white. Film, I thought it would have been The Artiste. The Artiste was good, but was I, like, I, you know, it's cool. I not just, it, it I haven't watched was, it. I just knew it wasn't I've seen it. It is, it is a good film, uh, but that movie, it, it's got something because I, I knew about it as a child and would see images of it. Mm-hmm. And then to finally see it decades later and I can appreciate like the movie magic of what they did, then to pull off some of the effects, which is, it's, there's some that are pretty cool, especially when you hear how they did that. I'm like, huh. Very fascinating. But yeah, that one stands out for me. I think for me, it's uh, Under a Cherry Moon, Prince. Man, see, that one crossed my mind, but I couldn't think of the name of it. I was like, huh, Prince. Because it's
0: like one that we would watch. It it was in the collection. That's part of the reason why we watched it. It was like, ah, it's on the VHS shelf. Let's check it out. And there's just certain scenes in there that's hilarious. And the black and white part um, didn't seem to bother me at the
1: time. Sure. Yeah. I'd say up there would probably be the Wizard of Oz, which is a hybrid, because the first part is in black and white, and then Technicolor. Yeah.
0: I think the Yellow Brick Road and all that stuff kind of takes over. You kind of forget that it's in black and white.
1: True. (laughs) It's like, oh yeah, that's right. But it starts All the boring parts in black and and white. white. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the tornado's in black and white. Eh, Mm. That's that's drama. Tornado hitting your farm. That's Mm. Action. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: I think that was a great technique, though. You know, to blend both of
1: those—pretty smart. Yeah, pretty, pretty smart. because yeah, if that whole thing was black and white, I mean, you lose so much. You lose so much. Yeah, there's there's a there's a, a magical aspect of all of a sudden, oh, color coming in. <laughs> well, well, and somewhere on over the rainbow, that's sung. It's still in black and white. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, Sin City. Whoa. Oh, hey. <laughs> Hey there, guy. Hey, good pick, good good pick. And there, I'm sure there are many films. <laughs> we are, I said your getting, favorite,
0: you know. Yeah, hey, this is like what pops in mind. Black, I think black and white films don't pop up into the brain like that. It's not colorful. <laughs> That's
1: very accurate. That's what I <laughs> <we> call it. <them. laughs> it's black and white films, not colorful. But uh, give it, give it a shot. Uh, that's the worst thing you ever seen. Uh, my next film will be in color. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It seemed like,
0: um, like with black and white films, it seemed like the thing to do, especially for filmmakers, because black and white was cheaper uh, to produce your film. This is high quality. Uh, so that was just like a choice. But. Uh, For filmmakers, early filmmakers doing their first film in black and white, it's because it was cheaper. So when you see like a Spike Lee, she's got to have it Mm. or Kevin Smith's Clerks or Darren Aronofsky's Pie, all done on film, all done black and white, 16 millimeter. uh, It's for budgetary
1: reasons. And so like the audience kind of like lets that kind of slide. I think there's also a fascinating thing in the 90s, say early 90s, a lot of music videos in black and white. Yeah. A lot of Janet Jackson stuff. I don't I won't say a lot, but um, I miss you much. Parts of Rhythm Nation. You know, in in, in Black and White, there were again a number of, a number of stuff like Black and White had this kind of resurgence. Yeah. Uh, in a lot of music
0: videos, um, I know. For me, you know, I've I've probably done like fifty music videos, but I've got myself. I got my few. Got like three that are black and white. You got to get that one off your chest. You got to get the black and white off your chest. Mm. And my recent, most recent music video that was black and white was the splash of colors. So like kind of like on the Ed Wood Blu-ray cover, you see Ed Wood and Sarah, well you see Johnny Depp and Sarah Jessica Parker. He's give she's given him the,
1: what is that called? Oh, the the, the special sweater, the, I forget the, man, the name of the material.
0: Yeah, it's in a pink color. So I kind of isolated colors like that when I'm. I'm
1: most Select, recent music video. Selective coloring. Yeah,
0: which was a thing in the 90s too. You had the blue jeans they were blue, but everything else was black and white or the red sure. popping. So it was fun to do that. Yes, sir. But any hoot, before we talk further about Ed Wood, let's talk about
1: TV news and movies watched. So in the news, according to IndieWire, there are within this the the week of this recording quite a few movies that are have been coming to video on demand premium video on demand titles that uh, are consistently able to rent at $19 okay. or 19.99 let's say
0: okay.
1: uh, that includes the the groundbreaking record setting top gun maverick as well as dc league of super pets which that's a really fast turnaround to uh to On Demand Didn't perform too well Nope Oh it didn't perform well? DC No it didn't Oh really? Like from the time that it came out To now being That's a really short window like Top, top Gun good. was in theaters for a while But DC Super Pets I mean that was We're talking maybe Maybe a month and a half ago I don't even remember the box office I know we covered it one week The box office
0: Super Pets It, yeah. was, it was doing good that weekend
1: But Yeah it didn't it didn't, uh, didn't hang in there Cause it's a real I mean a really fast turn on that one uh again no. so these are the, like the top ones like mm-hmm. uh, uh, based on based on revenue that they've generated on on Voodoo. So number 1 Top Gun Maverick, number 2 DC Super Pets, number 3 Nope, number 4 Jurassic World Dominion, number 5 Minions: The Rise of Gru, number 6 Elvis, number 7 Easter Sunday, number 8 Orphan: First Kill, number 9 The Black Phone, and number 10 Pause of Fury: The Legend of Hank.
0: I wish they would give us the number, the revenue number.
1: That would be great. That would be nice. <laughs> it would be nice. If you're listening out there, Hollywood, give us the numbers on home market yeah, sales, video on demand, Blu-rays, DVDs. We'd love to be able to see these numbers, see how things are going. Because you got a mixture on there.
0: You got films that's been out almost a whole year, like Mav, but then you got the MA the Black Phone. I don't know how that's been performing box office wise, but that's been in theaters for a little while. And uh, then you got the Super Pets, I don't know, in comparison to the Black Phone. I would assume Super Pets made more money box off wise in comparison to the rated R Black right. phone movie. Or are they just trying to kinda capitalize on the transactional uh, why they can, um, kind of like early pandemic with uh trolls. Was that trolls that came out during the pandemic? And they I think it
1: was like a sequel to trolls.
0: Okay. And they I mean, they just hit it out of the park revenue wise.
1: Mm hmm. Uh
0: wow, that's interesting though.
1: Yeah, so something uh that found, again, is all according to IndieWire. Mm-hmm. So what have you been watching, Reginald? I watched the second episode of She-Hulk. Haha, attorney at law. Oh, attorney for hire?
0: Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> for sure. Uh, to me, it feels still entertaining. Watched it with the family. hmm But it, it's starting to feel like, Kind of how we watch like The Flash and some of the other, you know, TV shows in that regard. But I was, we were waiting on the action this episode and it didn't happen.
1: Ah, <laughs> I I think I can appreciate that. The fact that this can go a, a different, a different route mm-hmm. and just be funny, just be a comedy, which right. really what the second spoiler alert for second episode of She-Hulk, by the way. Yeah, uh, there you go that they can just go in and just have some have some fun. I think they're also, you know, kinda, of, you know, working that CGI budget as best they can. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. You're like, hey, you can only hook out once. Yeah, but she was, I mean, in, yeah, her time in the in the office, mm-hmm. uh, you know, doing her doing her thing. Well no, she also was at the at the bar. Actually there was a couple scenes with her. She was She Hulk. And yeah. I mean, it's only gonna now that she's at a job where she has to be She Hulk on All the time. job. There's gonna be be more of that. Mm-hmm. But uh, g- great to see Tim Ross. right? Roth, Roth, yeah, Tim Roth. Roth. Yeah, sorry, there's a real, a real like guy named Tim Ross in the in 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 the area we live, in. he's a famous uh, preacher and, and pastor. There you um, go. But Tim Roth <laughs> to see him make his return, and you're seeing him not as an abomination, but as as Tim Roth, and <laughs> him talking about his his haikus that he's oh, he's God. written. It was, that
0: was actually pretty good.
1: But even when he talked about his the point that he made. Um, as far as like being hired by the military to stop this this threat of the Hulk, thought he's going to be seen as a hero. And she's like, "But you went on a <laughs> murderous rampage." You are like, "Oh, I, I know, I thought, you know." But I was under orders, and, and you know, the other Super Soldier Serum they gave me, and I was like, "He's kind of got a bit of a point because I remember in the in the Incredible Hulk." Yeah, have you seen that one? Yep, of course. Yep. Okay, so when that one drops, initially he he does take a, a shot of the Super Soldier Serum, and it amps him up. That was like an iconic scene. Him like running fast through yeah, the park Yeah, he was telling bark. it and he gets at the Hulk and he's like moving around and shooting at him and the Hulk like just bah, hits him <laughs> and this dude flies into a tree and his torso like twists around where he's yeah. like broken. Like this guy's spine is snapped and he's laying on a bed and whatever in traction and they end up giving him like an experimental injection, Damn. and then of course that's when the abomination comes out to play. Yeah, but uh, yeah, overall I, I I enjoyed the episode once again and seeing her her resistance to superheroing, but then just that quick scene she's gonna have to embrace it. But the two highlights, mm-hmm. two very interesting highlights of things to come. Okay, number one when she's. Before she gets hired For the new job When she's looking for work And she's on that website mm-hmm. In the far Right hand corner There are two small Little blurbs of information One says Man wins bar fright Bar fight With metal claws Oh Shout out to Wolverine Yeah If you, if you, if you know You know that is You know Who's gonna be in a bar With metal claws If not Logan AKA Wolverine So We're nice least Drake there And that's then right, bub That's right bub snicked (laughs) and then there's another blur that says why is there a a, a robotic hand sticking out of the ocean oh nice little nod to the eternals spoiler alert for eternals trying to bring it all in together yeah so i'm like okay we see some some connecting links but then the other thing that was that was that was interesting and funny was when when she's talking with bruce and she's telling him, you know, she's kind of making like she's asking him if it's okay if she represents the abomination. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's like, I kind of feel like you're just calling me to tell me you're going to do this. And she was like, Yeah, I, yeah, you're totally right, I am. And he goes, Well, you know, he, he sent me a, a haiku, and we're, he goes, and he says, and he says, I was a totally different person then, <laughs> yeah. which is a great nod because if you've seen that first Incredible Hulk, you know that originally Edward Norton <laughs> uh, totally was playing Bruce Banner person. And so, of course, now it's Mark Ruffalo, who's who is That's the uh, he is fun. Banner. He is oh uh, yeah, that was a, that was a great gag, a great nod. But then we think that Bruce is just sitting in his lab. But when he says he's not going to be around for a little while, he's got to take care of something. And the camera pans out; he is now on one of those same ships, one of those Grandmaster ships that we saw in the very first episode, flying away into space. Ooh. Ragnarok memories now we often would link it to that but him going the Hulk going back to Sakaar mm-hmm. that is a that is a foreshadow potentially of of, of of a world War Hulk potentially happening so okay you know that's what fans have been asking for for, for over a decade now okay that that's such a seminal incredible Hulk story so we shall see what what goes down but uh, yeah she Hulk episode two uh not action-packed, but still funny and, and moving the plot forward. For sure. Because now She-Hulk is literally heading up the division, the superhuman law division of a law firm. Yeah. So now we can expect kind of like cameos galore. There's, in oh, addition dang. to Abomination, yeah, she's going to be <laughs> having to defend some people. And we get, that at the end of the episode, you know, as she's a, as she accepts the job... He's like, oh, great. Have you have you turned on the TV? Yeah. Because she said, oh, no. She says she's ready to defend. She's going to take it and defend Abomination. She goes, oh, well, have you turned on the TV? <laughs> and then she watches the TV. Abomination has escaped from prison. And we <laughs> then see Shots, And he's apparently in some underground fights, which, of course, links directly to what happened in Shang-Chi, which gives a little bit of a hint maybe of where this, where this uh, story falls timeline-wise in the MCU. Mm-hmm. But, again, another. And she's another, like, oh,
0: great. You know, like
1: this sucks. (laughs) That's the kind of her thing. This sucks because he says that when she's at the law office, she she has to change. But we're seeing some nice connective tissue that She Hulk is providing within the this phase of the MCU. So that's kind of of nice to see, like good writing. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) So that's a little bit. uh, It feels
0: like they care about the universe they're writing for, and so that's always good. It's like you're in good hands. So, and now we find ourselves watching the full credits at the end and we're waiting for that end scene.
1: Yes sir, and there's going to be one every episode with oh. this show cuz it, it was with other show with well, other MCU shows, Disney Plus shows. It's been hit or miss. You never know if you're going to get one, but this one I've heard every episode is going to have one. So,
0: we're we're in we're we're.
1: Yeah. Go. Uh what else you been watching, Reginald?
0: Um we watched uh on Netflix that uh these real stories from a business perspective um, called N One uh, Untold right? I just watched that uh, yeah ah.
1: what do you think I, 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 we enjoyed it dude yeah absolutely I you know growing up growing up I was already well no technically when N One yeah. started I was I was, was in high man. school because it was early 90s yeah. I just forget that it had you know take like taken like it had started that early because I wasn't really I'm in, I've been an Adidas guy yeah. Most of my life. Adidas. But definitely in, in high, yeah, it was all about Adidas. I, I thought was, you
0: would have been more of a Nike guy because of MJ.
1: Love MJ. Yeah. But MJ was an Adidas guy first as well. He wanted, he mm-hmm. originally actually wanted them to offer him a deal, but Nike did their thing, locked him up. But, but now I've been an Adidas guy. When Kobe yeah. had his, his own Adidas shoes, I had I of mean, I those shoes so bad back in the day, but I've been mm-hmm. an Adidas guy, so I didn't pay much attention. Now when those mixtapes started coming out and all that kind of stuff, see that and very cool. But because
0: um, they just had apparel at first, it yeah. was just, just the shirts. Uh, I remember seeing those shirts. Yeah, uh, I never owned any of them. Likewise, um, yeah. But you kind of forget about. I didn't ever think of them like as a like a serious company in that way because. Mm. We, you know, I came up in a generation with the Allen Iversons. When it was playing basketball and taking it serious, the Allen Iversons, the Star Marbury, the Kobe Bryant, like that. Vince Carter. Steve Nash. Like that whole class is considered probably like the most decorated class in NBA history. Um, if you go back and look through that class, this is wild.
1: It's pretty steady. Just those names alone, it's pretty steady. And that's just a few of them. A you know? lot of Hall of Famers. K- oh, KG was in that class. I think he came a little bit before. Yeah. He was already playing, but... Yeah, pretty stacked class. But what I didn't realize in watching that docuseries is that when Vince was in the slam dunk competition that he was wearing and ones. They, you know By then, this was like their second attempt in the shoe right. market. I didn't know that Marbury, originally like first game playing as a Timberwolf, he's in the very first and one shoes and literally sprains his ankle.
0: It, I, I, did he break it or did he sprain it?
1: He he, jacked his ankle up enough. Up. He was out, <laughs> and he was in the the debut of their shoes as they were about to hit Dude. the store.
0: And so Marbury, A.K.A. Starbury, was in that class with everybody. You know, he, the next Allen like who you pick, whoever you want in that draft, and you got a star. Mm. Uh, I mean, he got statues in China, you know, Marbury. Right. Um, but they were trying to emulate the Nike model, like they're finding their Michael Jordan and Michael. You know, they found Marbury, which was great, like that had Marbury not hurt his ankle like and, and one would, is a household name. It kind of is kind of, but I mean it <laughs> maybe not um. it
1: was it, it had its time it, again. It's but the, they're still in Walmart.
0: Like to this day, like there's an and one shoes, but like the they company would,
1: still exists, yeah. but it was the, I mean, it was a, it's a fall. It was yeah, the rise and, and yeah. fall of, of, and one. Yeah.
0: It, I mean, multi-million dollar company to this day. Um, it's kind of like how k Swiss and some of these other brands have gone, where oh, they're K-Swiss. where they're where they're part of like they still make money, but they're just part of a, a financial portfolio. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of the the fate for N one, kind of like Fubu, all these other ones. They kind of end up in somebody's portfolio.
1: Yeah, I mean it's, but it's it's a it's a very nice series. You get to see some of the the the. the Ballers from the streets, you know, who was, used to play street ball, And again, if you've seen any, any of the mixtapes, you know who these guys are yeah. with Hot Sauce. You know, the professor, Skip to my loo, who was... The, the professor! So, yeah, uh, the main event. And then you, you get to hear from all these guys. I, I, I thought it was very well done, very interesting. And I, I could see from the beginning when these guys first... I'm like, uh-oh. These guys are going to be disgruntled later on because they're not getting any of the revenue share from the stuff that's being made. Yeah. And, I mean... Yeah, it's, it's it's one of those things where, if you have talent nowadays, if you're going to get into something, make sure that you're getting a piece of the pie. Yeah. Even if, even if your upfront money isn't as much, mm-hmm. if you could be invested like in some of the long term stuff at that ground level, that's that's a better way to go. Because some yeah. of these guys they were making some money, but it was kind of fleeting because it was just like just just contract, and then when the company went belly up. These guys were like cut off even though they were on the front line and people were then like, Well, wait, what what happened? Where where are you at now? But it's a it's a very, very well done documentary. Yeah, it's it's um what I was saying
0: when when we kid me and my cousins when we, we were watching the mixtapes, so we didn't really even think and one as like a company in that way. We were watching the mixtapes getting hyped up to go play basketball trying on the weekend to,
1: trying to emulate the moves oh
0: god it was bad especially like some of the professor <laughs> mm-hmm. stuff because he was like in our age group so right. like we were like oh man did you see what he did those handles dude like to this day he's still on YouTube like doing like taking on people at the park I was like this I, I said
1: the other day like he was I think he was either dressed as an old man or something like that just kind of like <laughs> like Drew like scamming <laughs> people Drew. like yeah yeah Uh-oh. yeah like the yeah, Uncle Drew stuff um, but so after I watched that, then I was mm-hmm. like, "There was one on Caitlyn Jenner."
0: Yeah, I saw that one.
1: And I watched that one too. I was like,
0: "I thought you had already watched that one."
1: I had not,
0: dude. That's good that you watched
1: that because that goes hand in hand with our. Exactly, film today. I was like, uh, and when I saw, it, I was like, "This will, t- this will pair. This will pair well with 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 Ed Wood's story." Yeah, um, but I never really watched all of Bruce Jenner's and 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 before anybody asks me. At KC, before anybody, what <laughs> are my thoughts? <laughs> before anybody asks me, Caitlyn Jenner herself says she's all the accolades she did as Bruce Jenner. She accredits those to Bruce Jenner. So me saying Bruce Jenner, this is what's covered in the documentary. She's okay with that. So I'm not. Uh, I forget what the term is. Uh, dead, <laughs> dead, dead, dead. Something. Nonetheless, confused.
0: No, I'm just kidding. Nonetheless, <laughs> but uh, so that
1: this is this is not a case of that. But what she did as dead? Bruce Jenner,
0: I gotta know what you're talking about.
1: Now. Yeah, there's a term like when someone has made a transition from one gender to the other to to bring up their previous name of who they were previous, especially if they changed their name, mm. it's, it's called dead something. Like like you're uh, bringing back their their past. Sorry. Anyway, so it's, but it's, 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 it is a thing. So did he go through the whole process of the sex change?
0: I thought he was just wearing women's clothing.
1: Uh, no, he's, he's so. So have you, have you watched? So if you watched, I did. I just came to, oh, it's been a while. I I watched when it first came out. He went through a couple of initially, he started doing like the injections. Yeah. But that was like earlier on. Like it was like, we're talking maybe like in the 80s or so. Yeah. Oh. but then like like you know had to let Charles was done to get rid of his beard yeah um started taking injects i guess I assume of estrogen Holy but then stop the process met Caitlyn jenner obviously they had kids and then he got to a point where he was ready to to go through with more of the change. like yeah got his Adams Adams apple removed which that kind of started the media buzz um wow. and then and the, the, pretty you know I'm pretty sure he had you know I you know, um, I don't know if he has implants but breasts and all, all that stuff but I don't I don't know I don't know if he's <laughs> removed his genitalia. Changed, I don't know if he's changed the genitalia or not. Yeah, they don't okay. really touch on that directly. But
0: yeah,
1: whatever, whatever. But anyway, it was very fascinating seeing the the, the athletic part as Bruce Jenner. Yeah. Like seeing that. Because I always knew that he had done the, the decathlon. But now, I never watched any footage of it or anything like that. Yeah. I've never seen any of that. But to see his, his the work that he put in. Hard work, beast talent. That's impressive. And, and the Russian guy he was competing against. Yeah. Spoiler alert for uh, Untold, Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah, But to see that. And it was impressive, and to see him go through all those events and and to see him win, I was like, "Yo, it's 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 very enthralling and it's very fascinating, <clears throat> and uh, it's a it's a heck of heck of a journey." And you know, to see where 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 Caitlyn is now, and to give homage to who she was as Bruce Jenner. But even with all that success, that that wasn't. She she feels that wasn't who she was because it, it's you know you talk about these these issues being there the whole time and even with like the height of that of something mm-hmm. that can be considered so masculine still not, not satiated something not being aligned. But uh, it's very
0: yeah it's uh, interesting tale. I'm glad actually I'm glad that it's out there to kind of because some people only know her. As Caitlyn, yeah, and don't realize the journey. A, there was a whole nother life, whole nother, a whole nother life as a man.
1: Yeah, that's so. that's that's very fascinating. And, and to hear to hear her bring up and famous like, in both parts, very true. And to hear her bring up like her faith, like how like she she talked to a to a, to a she had her pastor or a priest come over and talk to him. She used to get like a clear answer, like well, what's you know, she's really get a clear answer, but it's uh it's, it's very fascinating. Yeah. So, but yeah, but uh, Caitlyn Jenner, Untold Caitlyn Jenner on Netflix, very interesting. I want to see the one with the ref. That's, I'm sure is going to come out the thing next.
0: That's going to be hilarious. Yeah. Like one of the most hated referees, rightfully yeah. so. <laughs> uh, did I watch anything else? Um, I, I um, subscribed to Paramount Plus. Are mm-hmm.
1: you subscribed? Uh, I have access.
0: It yes. depends. <laughs> 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 I did a free trial and. I don't think I'm gonna hang around, but I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna keep the trial going and then I'm gonna deuce out. Um but what did you watch on there? The um
1: uh, Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> yeah, hold on. <laughs> I watched a few episodes as well. You <laughs> can put it in my notes. i was like, this is a guilty pleasure. I feel ashamed, you know, I was like, I'm <laughs> a grown man now. <laughs> <laughs> but yet, there's something. Yeah. I don't, I don't approve <laughs> of these antics, but. <laughs> <laughs> right? right?
0: So I, was, why, 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 why. I knew that a movie had dropped because Mike Judge had recently uh, gone on the Joe Rogan show. And so I was like, oh, okay. So they're dropping. The movie, but the movie's only available on Paramount. So I was like, mm. okay. So I'm in the process of watching the movie. So I'm about you know an hour and ten minutes
1: in. Oh, see, I watched the show. Like they do. They it, have a new that's version next. of the show.
0: That, yeah, I'm gonna watch that. That's next. So so I watched the movie and then I'm gonna watch the show. Once I finish the movie, I'm gonna watch the show. But I, I'm sitting here giggling at the stupid stuff, and my wife is just like, "What?
1: How <laughs> oh, you watch it with the Mrs. Stew?" I could only imagine. I could only imagine. <laughs> I'm just dying laughing. She's like, "What is going on?" There's just there's there's nostalgia that's yeah. there. I remember as a you know eighth grade man, Beavis and Butthead was there was man. They were so hot. They were on fire, man. It, fire. It, for for a junior high kid to see that, it was like, wow. Again, I would I would do any of their antics, but it was it was funny, you know. Yeah. Oh, dude. Then yeah. watching music videos, and I like how, so in the new show, like they they're not just watching music videos. They're watching just other content, and they're commenting uh, oh, oh, on it, which oh, so which is current. It, yeah, it gives it a nice updated feel to it. Uh, but I just watched a few, and I was like, okay, I got to I got to jump. Gotta I watched like I was like two episodes. I was like, this is still crazy as heck. You <laughs> know, I, then, I, <laughs> then I bailed. But I'm out of here. What have I else I've been watching? So I, I watched uh, the the rest of Trainwreck Woodstock '99. I watched the third episode of that. And mm-hmm. Good lord, that was an absolute train wreck. Just no, nothing encompassing the. The spirit of the original Woodstock. And just, uh, it, it, just the difference in the kind of bands. Like when Limp Bizkit came out, uh, <laughs> they riled that I crowd that up. Yeah, haven't mm, Yeah, they riled that crowd up and literally started talking about breaking stuff. Dude. And stuff started getting broken. And then the Chili Peppers at the end, like literally Flea is on stage buck naked. I mean, it's Flea. Like, I mean, stuff dangling and just You're like... Just like letting it be free. Yeah.
0: Like I, it's, when I hear flea, I think, unfortunately, uh, Beavis and Butthead, when uh, a Red Hot Chili Pepper music video will show up, and then Beavis is like,
1: flea!
0: <laughs> he's just seen, <laughs> saying it over and over again. <laughs>
1: it, oh, that's it's, uh, bad. Yeah, but it, it was... Man, that thing was so wild. Like It got to a point where they they tested the water because they had these these towns people get water like and, and fill them up whatever, and Sounds they test bad. they tested the water and they found that like the water was like contaminated, and people have been drinking this. Like one 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 woman said that she when she left she had all these cold sores in her mouth because she had gotten some kind of thing from the water. It's like dude man it, it was just that's disgusting. it was it was so bad like there was. Yeah, yeah yeah if you if you wish yeah. to dive in and see the tragedy of, of Woodstock <laughs> the literal train wreck of Woodstock 99 it is on Netflix and I I had no idea it was that bad but it, it pretty much destroyed I don't know if there'll be another, another Woodstock because this was nah, so bad new show
0: the new annual
1: events now yeah it went, it went it went down so bad um in addition to that I watched uh, inside the mind of cats what is that it's just a, a little quick. <laughs> is this on Netflix what is yeah, this yeah a little quick show about about the mindset of cats like cats dude, are nuts dude this this kind of breaks down how different they are but it, it like you know cause most in my opinion most people there are some cat people out there uh, I wouldn't call myself well, I'm not really a pet person period but I've seen more and interacted more with, with people and their dogs. Yeah. And, you know, dogs are... They say dog, dog, a dog's mindset is, like, they almost see people as gods, where <laughs> cats think, that, think of themselves as the gods. <laughs> <laughs> but this really gets into the, like They have actual cat psychologists who are on there, and they're talking about the process of how you communicate with a cat. Like, for example... Because of how cats evolved, you know, from the, the the bigger predators down to these smaller ones, you typically don't want to approach, like, initially, if you're meeting a cat, you don't want to approach them, like, from above to come and, like, pet them on the head because they think of, like, predators that could attack them like birds get from the air. They say you you kind of use your, your, your fingertip. And you can kind of, like, move it around and see if, like, they'll advance forward. Or if you reach in, you come from underneath, you know, maybe scratching you know, under, under the Forget you know, that, bro. But you, but, but that, that, there is a way to communicate with the cats. So do you want to purchase a cat now? I'm not looking for a pet, period. <laughs> 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 but but it's very interesting. If you if you don't like cats, I recommend watching this because oh, I think it'll okay. give you a new perspective on on their mindsets. I'll tell you one thing, I've always respected the cats their their bodies and their ability to move around, their agility, their strength, oh, and how sure. they can f- <laughs> How they can fit through spaces? We used to
0: have cat. My mom, she she's a cat person. She would always be like swiped up the razor blade nails. Like she will have blood on her arms. Like just gangster with the cats, because you know she didn't declaw them or anything like that. Because you're kind of messing them up when you do that.
1: Well, yeah. Well, this this speaks nothing to having to do that, but this does. I'd I'd recommend for your mom to watch it as well. This really lets you gives you ideas on how a cat thinks and and the way to approach it. Again, you can't. Typically, you cannot approach. Your 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 cats the way you would a dog. Their 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 mindsets are totally different. They they're very very. Different.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, they're, they're hilarious though. Uh, yeah, you walk down a hallway with socks, you're getting pounced. It's it's funny. Um, mm. but it made me think of old girl. Hey, crazy cats and kittens. You remember a girl uh, from Tiger King?
1: No, mm, uh, Carol uh,
0: Bask. Carol Baskin.
1: Carol Catch a tiger sure. by the tail. <laughs> Oh Lord, pandemic times. We were all in love with Tiger King. <laughs> Seems like ages ago. It really does. <laughs> it's been a hard past two years. God um, help
0: us That all. was the height of entertainment, you know. For
1: real. That's rough. Have you seen Tiger King? I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the the Inside the Minds cast, very entertaining and educational on Netflix. Uh what else? Oh, I watched The Samaritan. Oh Sylvester Stallone! Sylvester Stallone on Amazon. Nice little, nice little. Uh, you can watch with the family. You know, superhero slash kind of, kind of flick. Um, Stallone still does his thing. Like, my like, man, he, he does his thing. So, yeah, nice, nice little watch there. And then still been watching the Lakers Dynasty docu series on Hulu, which is very entertaining. Episode four just dropped today as oh. of this recording. Okay. um but yeah, so plenty of, uh, of, of things.
0: I can dig it, man. Um, and today's show is sponsored
1: by Natural Hair, the movie by Grind of Matter Films, avail- available to stream both on Tubi for free and all black TV. Now let's jump back into the show.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Film Commentary. Today we're talking about Ed Wood, 1994, directed by Tim Burton. And let's jump into a quick synopsis. Ambitious but troubled movie director Edward D. Wood
1: Jr. tries his best to fulfill his dreams despite his lack of talent. Edward. And if this is your first time listening to filmmaker commentary, please know that there will be spoilers. Spoilers. You've been forewarned. How did you watch this film? How did you find out about it? Like, what's going on? This is my first time watching Edward. I had, again seen the trailers in the past in my yeah. younger days in the in the nineties had no interest in watching it at that time, but uh, you made mention of checking it out and I said okay let's uh, let's do it. So this is my first time watching Edward on Blu-ray, and I was pleasantly surprised by this film. I I did enjoy it. Same here, man. I
0: I remember this trailer floating around in the nineties, and I was like, nope, <laughs> you know, it's not yeah i just remember it like no, no, no it didn't appeal to me um at that time at all but when i had an opportunity when this popped up as a trailer a couple of weeks back i was like okay does it have commentary let's roll mm. it is time it is time and, and so i just went uh well i went on amazon <laughs> and purchased the film came it was actually supposed to come today or tomorrow or something like that but when you told me that it was available at a movie trading company i just went to the god they had a they had a a new copy of it with there. Yep. Nine ninety nine, and then what I bought online on Amazon was like $11, 12 bucks or something like that. i was
1: mm-hmm. like, mm, who would have thought? Sometimes get away your options. I actually also again I, I I did go to movie trading co. I rented mine. It was a brand new copy, and uh, yeah, I'll be returning that tomorrow. What did you like or not like about the film? What kind of stood out to you? I liked both Johnny Depp and Martin Landau's performances. I mean, everybody's performance in the, in the film is, is excellent. It's very well acted, but those two in particular, what they embody Landau as Bela Lugosi was, was really cool to see because I had recently for the first time actually watched the original Dracula, Mm -hmm. which is what, what he's mainly known for is his performance as Dracula in that original film. And so then to see an actor portray Bella uh, In his latter years After his time has is, is passed Really is, is, uh, it's, it's, it's endearing and, and interesting to see And then Johnny Depp And his influences he draws from Which I'll mention later on in Tips Was, was mm-hmm. very good and very <laughs> There's something endearing about the, the optimism, the eternal optimism That you see in, in, in Edward Wood His uh, performance reminds me of yeah the willy wonka uh
0: hmm. character that he plays later on directed by tim burton uh-huh yeah that's what this character reminds me of just interesting positive just in its own just in his own world definitely just inviting a few people in
1: and then the film again for you know being in black and white the film looks looks really good it's real crisp clean yeah.
0: that transfer is solid yeah uh, yeah i like that i like that it, it's a good transfer And it feels like a world. Like when I'm watching the film, I feel like I'm inviting into a world that not that many people know about. (laughs) Very true. It's like an insiders' club. Um, With um, commentary. So with the commentary, it it was a cut between Tim Burton, the
1: writers, and I think also the the
0: actor, or was it was a DP or the actor.
1: Well, yeah, definitely one of the actors. So the commentary, da, 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 let's see if it has their names on here.
0: I thought it was a good um, commentary. I, I I honestly wish they were on separate tracks in this one because they seemed like they had a lot to offer in regards to, like, backstory. Sure. Tim Burton, technical stuff all day, you know. And just, I like the stories of the writers when they were kind of talking about how this thing was developed.
1: Yes, very. Inter- I, I, I like that they weren't all in the same room interacting with each <laughs> yeah, other. They, except for the two writers, they were together. Mm-hmm. They interacted some, but everybody else was kind of separate. And initially, Martin Landau gives the introduction kind of in his Bela Lugosi yeah. voice. And then at times, he actually is letting you know who's talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, happens, that was helpful. Yeah, earlier earlier on, and then it kind of t- trails off. But it's sometimes harder to, to, to tell who's talking at times. But but it as a whole, yeah, it was fairly insightful. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed it.
0: Um, yeah, that's the only thing that I wish would be different about that. Um, they had their own tracks to kind of talk about it more. Um, with the special features, did you watch any of the special features?
1: Yep, took them all in. Um, some were were a little dry. I'll yeah. be I mean, want, I wanted a little bit more out of some of them one of them deals with uh, an actual instrument called the I'll just I'll just read off the special features as, as a whole. But there is a um there are some deleted scenes which they were they were okay. And you see why they were deleted. They don't delete, <laughs> they don't move it along. Yeah, yeah, they just they're just really kind of supplemental. And the movie's kind of long, it's like 2 hours, right? But yeah, that's that's you know, if there's a dislike. I would say the, I think it could have been trimmed a little bit. The first the first half of the film this is fantastic, and then leading up to the point when 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 Bella Lugosi when he passes, mm-hmm. then it, it feels like I, I stopped. You know, I kind of check the time every now and then, and see how much time is left. <laughs> yeah, right. Was like, I was like, oh, there's still like another forty five minutes left. I'm like, the movie should be kind of wrapping right. up by now. Yeah, you know? but but then there is there there is there A is more. Fourth fact. Yeah, there there is more. Yeah, so, uh, but again, that that part still plays out well, and I think, you know, being that it's my first time seeing it, yeah. if I were to watch the game, my expectations would be managed, and i am like, okay, I know that this is, there's more in store in the way they're going to kind of honor Bella. Different pace than
0: speed. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hitting you with hooks every new scene.
1: Very much so, very much so, but this, you know, this is Ed Wood's story, even though there's a lot of, you know, his relationship with Bella plays a big part of it, but it's ultimately Edward's Ed Wood's moving he had, he had still more to tell. But so in addition to that, there's a, a featurette called Making Bella, uh, which is a, really a makeup featurette right, about how they did the makeup for, for uh, Martin Landau. Bella Child. Pro- There's a production design feature called Pie Plates Over Hollywood. There's a behind the scenes called Let's Shoot This Effer. Uh,
0: yeah, I saw like maybe 10 minutes of that one.
1: Yeah, and again, <laughs> they really don't... I do like how out of that,
0: from a filmmaker standpoint, I like that they have somebody around the set just crap, you know, bullcraping around, just kind of shooting stuff. Kind of like for more for archival purposes. Sure, and I think, I think
1: that I think that's good.
0: Yeah, I, I, I can appreciate it, but I, I didn't stick around for it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't giving me anything like I thought was like really insightful. Yeah. Like, okay. All right. Yeah, I, I wanted more out of it. Uh, then there's there's something called the Thurman documentary, which is the Thurman is a is a, a European. Electronic instrument that you play. That if you could imagine, how do you explain it? Like if you could imagine almost like a, like let's say an antenna coming up out of a device. Oh, the little u. On well, no, not not. It's not like a ukulele. It's like mm. a, literally like electronics. You can imagine like an antenna on your on the left side, and then a let's say almost like a, a soundboard kind of device, like underneath it. That the antenna comes out of I've it. I've seen. And then you you place your hands oh, into no. just into the air. And depending on how go you move your hands, go go on, go. it makes sounds like going, I want one going into something, one. pulling out to something and up and down. How so much it costs. I don't, I do not know, but there's, but a thermist, the, the sounds <laughs> in the, in this time period, the thermist, uh, that's lent, what lent to those. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So there's a little mini thing on that and kind of how it works. Uh, The only thing I didn't watch was the music video composed by Howard Shore. I didn't at that point. I didn't care. I was like, "Eh."
0: (laughs) "There's nothing special about this feature." No, because
1: the movie, the music videos typically aren't. It's like I don't, I don't, I don't really care. (laughs) Unless it's one I've seen before that I know was like
0: brennan has Got a Baby" from the uh, Criterion Collection. Exactly.
1: There's something there, but I was like, "Eh, "How?" Sorry, Howard. I don't, I don't care about music video. Let me know.
0: Remind me of the John Carpenter.
1: Remember he. Had I was the, just uh, about to say that. I was like, all right, cool. Next. Uh, I, I respect that You, you got out, did your thing, but. <laughs> I don't. I don't need Some old man
0: playing a piano. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't
1: need to see this. I don't. I don't need
0: it. Early music videos too. Yeah.
1: There's there's other stuff. <laughs> Moving on and cut. Yes. <laughs> I Fantastic. To, I had to direct myself <laughs> onto another. <laughs> You sure you don't want another
0: take, Casey?
1: No, it's perfect. It's good. Let's go. <laughs> I would imagine he struggles with those things in, in real life. <laughs> On to the next scene. <laughs> <sighs> um, the o- I need to go find a motor for the octopus. Let's go. Let's go.
0: <laughs> oh... Uh what the tone, what kind of tone do you think they were trying to set uh in this film? Overall, what did you what did you pick up?
1: Um it's it's comedic, mm-hmm. but there's also an honesty. Like oh, yeah. Ed Ed is very he's very honest. True in, in in his care Well I mean all the characters, they they all seem to to ring true. Even Sarah Jessica Parker's character, she has a moment where she finally just she lets him have it she's Yeah, like she can't take this crap no but like, she's just being honest and she's <laughs> thinking what most people at the, in, in that society in that time would be thinking I think she represents the the real audience yeah like, like the reality of the day like what most people would have been thinking and feeling and she finally says it to him but like what they say in the commentary like we've like are so like on Ed's side because we've been endeared to him seeing him go through it we've been hanging out with this guy You're He's, like this, this is our guy hey let him make you know yeah, well, it's not the it's not about the details, it's about the big picture, which is no <laughs> he's full of crap. <laughs> that's, that's what he is. A, <laughs> he's got his vision is very different, very different. He, he is, is in his own world. But the, how dare she tell him to use some other methods and not not be weird and outlandish? Mm-hmm. How dare she? How dare you infringe upon his creativity? Unbelievable. But yeah, so comedic, honest, optimistic, and tender. There's some nice mm. tender moments. His friendship with Bella Lugosi is 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 very endearing. It's yeah. like, wow, here's this past his prime actor who was addicted, has track marks in his arm, but yet can have these glimpses of brilliance in his performance mm-hmm. and is is, you know, doing these you know fairly B movies, but he needs he needs this stuff. Yes, he needs the money. But he he needs that for his his own ego, and I think even his own living. Oh, for sure, you yeah, know, an actor to, at heart,
0: you know, who need that, yeah. assurance. Um, it, it, Edward, yeah, Edward's character reminds me of what uh, uh, the successful version of Edward is Quentin Tarantino, and how like just into all movies he is, and he remembers these actors and how great they were when he watched them, and and Tarantino, you know, is you know famous for bringing. Older actors in Robert Newman for... Travolta. Travolta for Pulp Fiction. I think it's Robert Newman. Hopefully I'm saying his name right. From uh, Jackie Brown. Uh, bringing uh, Pam Greer. You know, bringing her back. And just bringing the new life. Like, in that actor... I ho- I ho- Robert... Maybe I'm getting his last name right. Sorry about that. But um, who who paid the, um, the... Not parole office. Bond officer.
1: Mm, um, Jackie Brown.
0: And Jackie Brown. Basically, that... Breathe new life into his career he he basically got more a lot more work because of that because he was he was in that B-movie world mm. and only people that knew him from that world knew who he was and then that film like launched him back up so like just you know that's what it reminded me of and it's just cool to you know have a genuine person that be into your artwork
1: big difference between Ed Wood and Tarantino
0: <laughs> not really though details here's, here's yeah okay
1: <laughs> Of of script, script. <laughs> yeah, Man, hell of a lot more Number one script. Yeah, details. Hell of a lot more details in a Tarantino film <laughs> than what Ed Wood was talking about. People don't care about the big picture. The details don't matter. <laughs> uh, according to... About what, that, Ed. About that.
0: So I would say, like, according to Tim Burton, yeah. there is a razor edge between like what's bad and what's good.
1: I, I will agree he with says. that. <laughs> I, I will agree with that. Um, and I've
0: never seen an Ed Wood film, so I can't. I'm not qualified yet.
1: I just, that I'm just going <laughs> off that line alone. People don't care about the details. I'm like, maybe, maybe in a different time, but no, even, even then, like once, once you've, it once you've watched blaring. something, once you are interested in something, in a, in a field, in a medium, in whatever, in a sport, you begin to pay more attention to the details, the more educated you become with it. Yeah. And you're going to, you're going to notice things, even though, even the, 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 the Baptist guys who were there, well, that, that headstone move, like, you know,
0: Clearly, it's fake. That was hilarious. So basically, you got to bring, you got to let them know what happened in that scene. It's basically uh, the financers of his film were some Baptist, some <laughs> the church is financing his film Ghouls or what is the name of the film that they're, they're shooting? he they changed the name. It was um, Grave Robbers
1: from Outer Space. Eventually, <laughs> it, it changes to Plan Nine from, from Outer Space.
0: So, like that. So. <laughs> He Edward doesn't want these guys telling him what to do, but then he's like, Man, you don't want to take it's cl-. and he starts listening to everything that's wrong with this frame. And, it, and he's right.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. Like this these this guy's they're just speaking absolute truth. And they ask him, Do you know anything about filmmaking? Well, I'd like to think so. <laughs> and that's when he says the line about it's about the big picture. People don't care about the details. Oh Lord. It's rough. Oh Lord, where where are we going? But he is so convincing that he's got <laughs> loyal people that will follow him, and he's giving them a shot to be in the movies. Yeah. And there's there's something about even if it's your very first film, there's an energy that's there of people coming together for a for a reason for yeah. a cause. And sometimes in the midst of it, you don't know if it's going to be good, you don't know if it's going to be bad. But sometimes just the energy is is there. Yeah, you're like I'm a part of something. Yes, let's see where this goes.
0: Her. I'm with it, um, but just a shared compassion for actors is kind of what I was <laughs> kind of drawing a parallel between Edward and Tarantino. Agreed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I do like the tone of the film because the title sequence you see uh, it's going through like the cemetery, and then on the headstones is like everybody that's part of the project, and then we see Hollywood, which is basically a miniature set. That's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see Hollywood, and we're backing out of Hollywood. It's a rainy day, rainy night. And we pull down onto a theater, which Ed Wood is directing this play. It's raining. Nobody's there. The, the, the ceiling is leaking there's like three people in the crowd
1: there's a bucket in one of the seats the, catching the water from the leaking ceiling it's
0: just a disaster and he's still with all that he's still like behind the scenes as the actors are saying the lines he's like mimicking the lines as they're which is a
1: uh, trope throughout he constantly does I, that he knows his yeah. stuff he knows his material at least Yeah, writer, knows director, the lines writer director which actor is also, which is also another Tarantino thing <laughs> <laughs> that's enough uh, But <laughs> fair enough writer director actor because he has cameos in almost all of his films as well
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I like that how that's juxtaposed so we see it open with that it's a dark night it's raining cut to towards the end of the film with probably his most successful film the the crowd it's filled to the rim he does his introduction say hey this film is dedicated to my good friend Bella Uh, and when he pulls up it's raining it's raining in his car and but for different you know it's happy it's happy rain this time you know True. he leaves out this is like the happiest he said this is I forgot his exact quote but this is probably his most successful film and he's realizing the moment and in that moment he gets down on the knee and asks his girlfriend to marry him let's get married indeed and they, so they go get married and it turns out they were married for 20 years so I, I just like that overall it's a dark tone but um, yeah it, it. they were able to flip that turns out well in the end uh from a style standpoint uh who do you think Tim Burton was trying to achieve with his style
1: black and white <laughs> for sure um yeah the, the the black and white really makes things it it really i think one transports you to let you know this is a a different time hmm but um but yeah just the the use of of light and shadows throughout and uh some of the, the, the close-up shots. It's very interesting because you when you have a film about a filmmaker, it gets a little meta. And when they're showing the shots that, that are being recreated from some of his films, it
0: yeah. like,
1: becomes very interesting to see, to see that process. So. Uh,
0: and also going with the black and white, like the lighting technique that you were talking about, um, it he's shooting in the style of Ed Wood, in a way. It's like there's some... There, his Edward style is in how he is actually shot, the film. shot it and directing the actors <laughs> the way that they're, you know, performing. So it, I was like, dang, you know, it kind of changes everything mm-hmm. about the film.
1: Because mm-hmm. it looks, this looks different from other Tim Burton films. Yeah. Stylistically. I mean, honestly, I could say that between Batman, Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands and this, they all are pretty different.
0: Yeah you can usually tell Tim Burton's been involved usually with the style of the title sequence, the music, um, dark, you know, that's just kind of Tim Burton's thing,
1: but there's something a little,
0: it seemed like he's kind of, he put, he kind of got off the gas a little bit. Yeah. With the Tim Burton style. On this I, I agree. It's more classic style.
1: Mm-hmm. I will agree. sir.
0: Music done by Howard Shore. How'd you feel about the music?
1: Uh, it was it. It works for this film. It's got this kind of upbeat quirkiness to it that that seems very appropriate. It mm-hmm. it, it, it 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 goes the way it needs to go to support Edwards' upbeat optimism. Mm-hmm. But then you know it hits the the right kind of tones when it needs to be somber or or scary or horrific. But it. Uh, yeah, it works. It, it serves its purpose. Mm-hmm.
0: I like how Tim Burton's music, um, when it's applied to his films, it has its own, it's its own character. Absolutely.
1: I was about to say, it's like, it feels like it's a character. Yeah. Even whether it's Danny Elfman or, or Howard here doing his thing. Yeah. So he's, he, he's really good at incorporating uh, music throughout his films. Yeah.
0: He's good at finding that creepy music, too. i about Pee Wee's Playhouse. And- oh,
1: man. That, that's, that's Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Peewee's Big Adventure
0: Oh Peewee's Big Adventure Yeah Um, From a director point of view um, I said earlier Is that uh, Tim Burton said this early on That you know There's a razor edge Of what's good And what's bad You know It's like uh, You can If you push too much this way You got a bad film But On the other flip side Of that You can be considered a genius You know Uh, And then there's uh, Tim Burton talks about How there's a power When you can identify Somebody by their work so when you look at a film and you're like, oh, that's a Tarantino film. Oh, that's an Ed Wood film. That's a mm-hmm. Tim Burton film. There's a power in that. Agreed. So that's uh,
1: that's Tim Burton's director point of view. <laughs> Do you have any favorite scenes or memorable scenes? All right. So uh, the first one I'll say is when he is with Bella Lugosi at his house and it's Halloween. The trick-or-treaters come up and there's the two girls and a little boy and Bella Lugosi answers the door and he's he's got his vampire teeth and <laughs> Shows his fangs and the two girls run screaming and, and the little cowboy is like, those teeth aren't real. I'm not scared of you yeah. holding his ground. And then Ed Wood shows up and he pulls out his dentures from his teeth he lost in the war. And the little boy freaks out and, and, run, and runs away. <laughs>
0: that was a good one. Yeah. Then we find out, you know, he lost him in the war. And mm-hmm. was like, oh, okay, there's some backstory on Ed Wood. I like how um, uh, Legosi... Am I saying it right? hmm He's his character gets upset when somebody on the on the crew asks for an autograph. Yeah, man, you're a Karloff sidekick. And then he's just uh, he just gets heated, pissed off, and just is like tell crew member to get the F out of here. And then Ed Wood's like, what's going on? You know, it's like <laughs> So that scene was hilarious. And then to kind of go along with that scene, he's ready to shoot right after that. But we later find out the uh, Galosi turned down Frankenstein, and he yeah. says that later on, he's like, "I turned down Frankenstein."
1: That's like a jealousy thing, yeah. Because yeah, Boris Kauf got a lot of shine for for Frankenstein. Yeah, I saw Frankenstein decades before I finally saw Dracula, which is yeah, uh, it's it a real talent to play Dracula. You have to be present. Mm. <laughs> uh, the other line, speaking, the other scene, is when Bella forgets his lines when mm. he when they go on that TV show. Oh yeah, and he's he's there and he and he's he's reprising a Dracula role coming out of the coffin and the guys asking him the questions and he cannot remember what the lines are.
0: <laughs> so so according to like I think there was the actors That were talking on the commentary Or oh, the writers even Yeah And he, basically he memorized, he, didn't need to, he memorized The answers to the questions Because
1: he was hard of hearing
0: He it, had become very hard of hearing In his latter years And so he's supposed to do You know So he's just answering the questions Based on the, the order they're coming in But the guy's telling the, the questions In a different order
1: and so it just sounds and wrong. And he's <laughs> just giving answers to to questions in a matchup, Bella. What's your next film? Uh, the tire is blue. <laughs> Still, like what's going on? Yeah, that's uh, yeah, but yeah. So that's kind of like a little. Um, I don't think I don't think that the TV thing really happened. Uh-huh. But it's kind of you know, kind of giving a homage that that uh, yeah, Bella wasn't uh, wasn't quite ready for that.
0: Man, um, I like how. <laughs> When Ed Wood, He finds a way To, to convince uh, The producer To do the Transvestite movie What was the name Of the movie called?
1: Glenn or Glenda
0: <laughs> And so And, and so Ed Wood is Convincing this guy Because this producer Slash distributor he, he doesn't care He's already And we've seen this Like in just Being in the industry Is that Back like in the markets, it was all about the poster. You sell a you sell a poster, and you can like pre sell things just based on the poster. You don't even have a script or anything yet, and right. you can just kind of sell that. Um, and so this is where this guy is. I don't care about this. I make crap movies. This is what it is. All you gotta do is deliver something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and so it would cause him because he's like, eh, it's not opening in L.A." And the producer is like, just so pissed. He's that's it's not because it's terrible. And if I see you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> It was just so clueless to what he has done.
1: Man. Uh, in addition to that, there is the, speaking of reactions, when his girlfriend, played by Sarah Jessica Parker, finds out that he's given the role away oh. to Loretta, and she's so pissed. She's throwing stuff at him. Mm-hmm. And when he runs away, like, she comes towards him in the living room, and he runs into the kitchen. She has that frying pan, and she tosses it, it looks like that thing really hit him. Oh, <laughs> I was like, that's a heck of a throw. So just Speaking of fry arm.
0: pans, this is a specific fry pan. Those are made out of, what are those made out of? The one that she had? That's iron? Cast like, iron? Cast iron. These are cast iron fry pans. If you have, have one, last forever and can cook anything. Yeah. And very heavy.
1: Very heavy.
0: Um, Boogie Nights. The movie Boogie Nights. So, what's the name of our actress, uh, Black Lady in Boogie Boogie Nights. She's married to Boris Kojo. Am I saying his name right? She has the green eyes, tall. Kind of reminds you of Vanessa Williams a little bit. Just a tad bit. But she was in Boogie Nights. Uh, Deleted scene. Uh, She's being, you know what I'm talking about?
1: It's kind of coming to mind. (laughs) It's kind of coming to mind. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I missed.
0: But but she was great in Boogie Nights. Um, But there was a deleted scene. She And they And she's calling uh What's our What's our guy from Boston Mark Wahlberg, Mark Wahlberg. His character She's calling him Dirk Diggler Dirk, <laughs> She's calling him Because her boy Her husband Because remember She got married And like It was like a happy ending Quote unquote
1: Nicole Ari Parker Nicole Ari Parker Playing Becky Barnett
0: Boom This is just random This is random trivia Uh You know This is the deleted scene Her now husband is like just beating her mm-hmm. like beating her badly she's hiding in a restroom calling Mark Warburg D- Dirk Diggler to come save her and to get tell the guys to come get her uh but they're so at the time Dirk and them are so high of cocaine like the car like runs off the side of the road and I forgot his friend that was like coming on to him with the short shorts uh they were just on the side of the road and they're like arguing at each other so they can't even be good friends. You know, they're just so high. They can't follow through. Right. Um, and so what she does, husband comes and breaks the door down, punches her in the face. She runs into the kitchen, grabs that iron, iron skillet. And she is just, he's walking away and she just smacks him on the back of his head. And then after that first hit, we just see smack, smack. smack. But we don't see the graphic close up, but we just just hear the crunching noises of what's happening. And then she runs, wide shot, she runs out of there and runs down the street um, but <laughs> I think it was what uh, I can't remember the name of the director but he was like was it Thomas Anderson? Yeah he was basically saying that yeah th- we want somebody to have some kind of good ending so that's the reason why we deleted that scene
1: anyhow tangent Paul Thomas Anderson Paul
0: Thomas Anderson can be specific here
1: people care about the details they do big
0: that's a whole different person <laughs> Oh, man. Mr. Anderson. <clears throat> what, any other memorable scenes? I uh, like when uh, Ed Wood is pitching the <laughs> studio executive, and he's like, the ghoul goes west. And then the studio exec is just like, blank stare. Like, <laughs> he's just waiting for the next pitch. He's like, nothing's moving him at all. I just, I just think that's funny. Somebody's just like, just throwing everything at him, and he's just blank. Like, no one's home.
1: I like when... I get close with the microphone. I like when Dolores, Dolores, which is Ed's girlfriend at the time, when she shows up shows up for her part, which of course has been, has been given away to Lorena, boom, or Loretta, and she shows up and, co- and confronts her. She's like, you know, um, L- Loretta says, "Oh, you can you can have the makeup chair now." And she's like, "No, you need more." You're not done yet. <laughs> she's like, No, I'm good. I just need to touch up. She's like, No, that mall's still showing. And then Ed Ed's Oh, ladies, let's let's talk about the scene. He's trying to, you know, yeah. bring it down. And he starts talking to Lorena first, giving her motivation, and then Dolores down nowhere. Well Ed, what about me? What about, what about my motivation? It's like you're just you're playing the receptionist. You're just Yeah, you know, like like it's no big deal. But she's, you know, being jealous and, and needy. And then they do the scene and, you know, they, they do their back and forth and at the end, he's like, oh, you know, great job. And she's like, of course it was. Like, like this is a nothing role. I threw this <laughs> in my sleep. But just that, that interaction was, I, I, I got a kick out of that.
0: And yeah, the classic, going to tropes, <laughs> classic brunette and blonde clash. Yeah, for sure. Um, you have any tropes?
1: I have one more memorable scene. Oh, sorry about that. Was when Bella Goes to the hospital or the ward and commits himself. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, says says why he's committing himself. And apparently, like in Hollywood, like he was like one of the first actors to to check himself into rehabilitation. That's rough. Or drugs. That's rough. That's it. That's all I have for memorable scenes.
0: What do you got for tropes? And I'm gonna go. I don't have it. I don't have that many. I don't have any actually.
1: All right. Tropes. uh, A director with a dream. (laughs) <laughs> uh, another trope, the washed up actor on drugs Trying to make a comeback that's And the horrible. third trope the, the lover leaves You know, the, the main character But then uh-huh. the main character finds true love Ooh. So that's all I have for tropes Well done. sure there's some more But that's all I got Quotes uh, First one This is between uh, from Edward to Bella Lugosi When he first meets him says, so, you know, you're much scarier in real life than in the movies. <laughs>
0: um Ed Wood is talking about how great Lagosi is to somebody on in the studio. And he said, He's a bum. You know, the guy's like saying, He's a bum. He's any he junkie. And you know, man, he's so he's great, man. Well, if he's so great, why don't you hire him? So that kind of starts putting that seed into Ed Wood of like, wait, actually I have more control of what I'm doing here instead of always asking people for stuff.
1: Mm. So when they're shooting his, his first film Glenn or Glinda*, and they're they're just guerrilla shooting they're on the streets and they see a police officer and, uh, <laughs> and, 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 it, and it, <laughs> the camera goes on to Ed and he's like we don't have, we don't have a permit and he pauses and he says run <laughs> and they all grab their stuff and they take off but just the way it's timed out and Ed's expression is like we don't have a permit run
0: it <laughs> just takes off that's great yeah um, the distributor that was talking to Ed Wood, and he was like, "I don't make movies; I make crap." <laughs> just kind of keeping it real. It's like, "Hey, man, this is, we're just trying to make money. It's what
1: it is." Uh, so, back to that scene you were talking about when the when the member of the, of the crew approaches Lagosi for the autograph and mentions Karloff, and he says, "Karloff," he says, "F you, Karloff <laughs> doesn't deserve to sniff my, you know, crap." Or he doesn't say <laughs> crap; he says the other word with the S, um, my ish sneakers. No, I'm just kidding. Carla doesn't deserve to sniff my ish. (laughs) Man, Bella.
0: That was rough. For real. Um, Maybe. um, Oh, so Edward is talking to his girlfriend at the time, with Jessica Parker, character. Mm -hmm. um, And she's like, maybe you're not studio material. Just raise the money yourself, which is another seed for Edward's like, ah, yeah. So, which goes on into his financing thing, which. (sighs) You know, he later confided in Citizen Kane. I mean, um, the director of Citizen Kane. Um, Orson Wells. And uh, I think uh, our guy, Francis Coppola, kind of talks about, like, the whole financing and how, like, that's like a big drag of a filmmaker's career.
1: Mm, important, but, yeah, nothing happens unless there's some money.
0: <laughs> Indeed.
1: Uh, so, Ed Wood is on the phone. It's after he's released his... First or second film. I don't know if this relates to Glenda or Glinda or mm-hmm. the, the bride of the monster, but he says he's on the phone with, I guess the executive says, so what do you think of the film? Oh, it's the worst film you ever saw. Well, my next film will be better. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello.
0: <laughs> God, I love the telephone shots. Oh yeah. Um, uh, what, what What's the name of the actor That um, from Beetlejuice That's in a lot of Tim Burton film Tall guy Long enough to play the psychic Psychic That would be Mr. Jeffrey Jones Jeffrey Jones that's So Criswell Criswell So Criswell and Ed Wood And crew are at the table And he He's basically talking To Ed Wood And Ed Wood's like How do you know all these things Like how do you know We're going to be on Mars And all this stuff He's like dude like, this is showbiz. Um, um, it's all about razzle-dazzle and appearances. If you look good and talk good, people will swallow anything, which is also another seed on, like, okay, you gotta have to be a salesman, too, in this, in this game and look the part.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So this is after one of the failed fundraising attempts. Uh, Ed is at the bar, and he looks sad and depressed, and he overhears this woman who is closing out her tab and she's like, well, I hope it's okay if I if I give a 20. I just came from the bank. Yada, yada, yada. And his eyes light up and he goes and sits down next to this woman and as we're having a conversation, she then tells the the, the waiter uh, he asks, they ask somebody, or maybe Ed, somebody asks if she wants some water and she says, no, no water, no liquids. I'm terribly allergic to them. Which is, appara- which is apparently a, a true story that she was somehow allergic, allergic, to allergic to water and liquids I don't know how that works I don't know how you survive but you must eat fruit yeah uh,
0: uh, one of the fundraising events it was funny because uh, Lugosi's character is like here we go again, again. <laughs>
1: and
0: then <laughs> at the end of the first event Lugosi uh, uh, asked Eddie so Eddie how do we do Eddie still smile we didn't make a nickel
1: <laughs> mm. <laughs> this forever optimistic trooper yeah. So when they're making their the they're making their, their first film, and Eddie comes with, the, comes with the Bella says, "You know, I wrote you some new lines because mm-hmm. and, he, and he and he gives them to them to to Bella and he, and he looks at them and he says, "These lines, I'll have no problem remembering." Oh, and then later on in the film, we see him recite them. Like they're there's on the street and he recites the lines like perfectly in front of a crowd and everybody comes up and they applaud him and they want to get his autograph. But it's just real it's real nice real tender. It was good. I think that's all I have for quotes. Okay, Again, the quote that I've mentioned multiple times. Yes. Again when the the the, the Baptist investors are there on set and they're <laughs> questioning Ed's filmmaking abilities and he says, No one no one will ever notice Filmmaking is not about the detail, the tiny details. It's about the big picture.
0: <laughs> he needs to change his philosophy. Oh, boy. Too late. <laughs> um, trivia. Uh-huh. Tim Burton grew up in Burbank.
1: Okay, okay. I'll see your trivia with another bit of trivia. The 1950s started to introduce jazz into movie scores. Oh, okay.
0: Um, 1980s, the Mevu brothers' books. Hopefully, I'm probably saying it wrong. Um, they they uh, publicized this book called "The Worst Films of All Time," and of course, Ed Wood's film is in there. And then they published another one called "The Golden Turkey Awards," which he was awarded the worst director of all time. Ouch! Which actually garnered fans. Exactly. If you're going to be something, be the best
1: you can be at, at that thing.
0: It reminds me of uh, What's our um, What's that movie What's the name of the movie Room The Room No not The Room
1: Oh with uh, What's his name uh, the, Oh gosh I know you're talking it about
0: a, It eludes me With Franco Playing the character yeah. Uh That movie was troubling Like I couldn't I never watched it no, the that. official movie Sure it, It's like an alien Made this movie It's like this has nothing To do with films yeah. at all Like how did this happen Yeah
1: I never watched it
0: but the film, uh, dang, y'all know what the film is out there. We could Google it, but um, um, Franco plays that character. Dang it, what is it called?
1: But <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know. I
0: but the film that. itself has this cult audience. You know, mm-hmm. because it's so terrible, it's good. And it, apparently, the guy who directed it so like kind of like oblivious to like how terrible it is he thinks he's doing a good job. Um, because it has all these fans and everything and made this and turned into a, a studio film based on
1: that film. It's something right. Um, so, uh, Bella purist fans who are, you know, just really high on Bella Lugosi. They were upset with this film for him, uh, being portrayed as cursing. Oh, Billy wouldn't curse.
0: Hey, it's a movie. We have to give us some leeway. I didn't know the writers wrote problem child. Um, uh, it was supposed to be a sophisticated adult comedy, uh, but it turned out they turned it like later. Basically, they were saying the studio kind of took it over and turned to this little kiddie comedy. But Problem Child, hilarious. Like the first one, for sure. And then it turned into this weird monstrosity. Um, but the first one, I mean, well,
1: well done. They don't care for films with badass kids. <laughs> Get away from me, kid. You're bothering me. But I, but I did see that when, as a kid. I did see it. And I thought it was funny. But as an adult, now I have a low tolerance for. Low tolerance. Shenanigans from cheerings. children. Children. Um, the actress playing Loretta is uh, Martin Landau's daughter. Huh. Okay. Um, shooting in
0: black and white, they knew it was going to eliminate 90% of their audience.
1: <laughs> Showing <that laughs> box office. That is true. That was an accurate prediction. Damn. That sucks when you Depp's know that it's gonna be bad revenue-wise, but they still plunged, to uh, forward and ahead. Yeah. Uh, so Johnny Depp's performance as Ed Wood was a combination of uh, influences of both Ronald Reagan, Casey Kasem, and the Tin Man from The Wizard of Oz. And there was one other one, but I forgot what it was. Hmm. That's all I have for trivia. Aha. Okay, uh, I've got two more. Uh, so. Bell Lugosi played Dracula in the theater at first mm-hmm. and was not going to be in the movie. They originally cast Lon Chaney, mm. who died, unfortunately. Lon Chaney, his son, Lon Chaney Jr., is famously known for playing the Wolfman in, uh. Uh, in the original Wolfman movie. But because Lon Chaney passed, they then hired uh hired Bella so there's a guy who's who's playing the role in in theaters and he was getting like like rave reviews like he was he considered himself a romantic lead like there were women who were swooning over him swoon as dracula mm. and uh so then he was he was cast um
0: I do have another trivia so Vampira right mm mm-hmm. mhm um the lady that we grew up with Elvira, Elvira, and so when they're playing, I don't know the Edward whole situation. So I was like, "Oh, that's Elvira." <laughs> it's like, "No, that's Vampire, but Vampira. But turns out that Vampira actually sued Elvira for kind of taking her thing. Uns- she unsuccessfully,
1: unsuccessfully. Initially, <laughs> I thought I, I didn't. I missed the unsuccessfully part. I was like, "Oh, she she sued her successfully." And I, so when I saw it the second time with the comment I was like, "Oh, she was unsuccessful." I was like, that's a pretty big difference.
0: <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, because I mean. Because you kind of look at Elvira, and it's a, it's a parody. That's what it feels like.
1: Yeah, but I'm like, mm. I, I I'd have to look up original images of Vampira. The same, they're the same. It, it, it seems so bad, man. Yeah, based on the movie, I would say, oh, you're you're infringing on this lady's gig, but.
0: Yeah, but when it comes to parody, when it comes to parody laws, you can kind of do that. That's why you have a whole, uh, what's his name, Weird Al, who can like create a whole career just based on parody.
1: Yeah, but I mean, that's, that's interesting because I'm, yeah, it's very, very interesting to, uh, to see. Elvira. Oh, wee! (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) Uh, Last uh, bit of trivia. So, Lugosi later in life actually did not live in the house that that last bit of footage that Ed Wood shot that was kind of used in the film, that wasn't Legosi's actual house. That was actually the the wrestler. The wrestler who, uh, who started that was yeah. his house because Bella lived in a in a kind of a more run down place. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was the wrestler's house they used to capture that footage.
0: Well done.
1: Now it's time for filmmaker tips. What you got? All right, so um the way they came about actually shooting in black and white that one day while reviewing dailies early on in the film's production, Tim turned off the monitor's color and, um yeah, they saw how it looked and that's when they decide to, uh oh, because no one knew the color of Bella Lugosi's eyes because he was always just been in black and white movies and the pictures of him were in black and white and they were trying to get Martin Landau, they're trying to, let, you know, nail the look, they're like, well, well, what color should the eyes be? And so in reviewing the footage, he just turned the color off. It's like, Hmm. So black and white. Let's go black and white. Uh, in addition to that, bad, bad decision. Mm. <laughs> uh Doing black and white movies. Uh, in in doing black and white movies, contrast is king. Pardon me. So. Oh yeah. Coloring things in shades of gray for your your sets uh, that helps out a lot. So if you're gonna do a black and white film, consider things in, yeah and things and shades of gray can, can help out with your contrast um, when you take color away you focus on what on what what needs to be focused in on
0: mhm i like the lighting um so when ed uh, wood and lagosi are sitting down watching vampira uh, in their house you see like the spotlights hitting ed wood and lagosi um, but tim burton's like there it had to be very specific Cause like when he put when Lugosi like put his hand up, you see like the shadow overcast on Johnny Depp. Just the way he was shooting it, he, the way he was shooting it, it was it's a good setup. huh. it was with spotlights
1: to get that look. When you make a movie about someone's life, you tend to focus on the important parts. Uh, it creates a tone, mm-hmm. and that's why in this film they chose to focus on uh, the Lugosi years of of, Ed, of Edward's movie making career, which is about a five year period. Well, okay. Um, the cross-dressing of Ed was handled very matter-of-fact. They didn't want it to be like a really super comedic thing. That it was something that was really just a part of his everyday life. And mm-hmm. I thought I thought they actually pulled that off in in the film. Like you see him do it, and it it seems kind of you know like oh that's different, but it's 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 very. It, considering the times that we live in now it's very fascinating to to see kind of what he was doing then and how for him you know he was a straight man but he had just yeah his mom used to dress him up in girls clothes when he was a kid and it kind of became a comfort thing and even when he was in war he mentions that (laughs) even like in you know paratrooping in or whatever he would have women's undergarments on at times and He just found a certain degree of comfort in it and ultimately found a partner that accepted such things.
0: Side note of trivia. uh, I was recently on a business uh, webinar and talking about like t-shirt design and stuff like that. But one of the ladies on the call, she was like, Hey, I used to be in the lingerie business and in lingerie business, probably like 90% of my clients were guys. Huh? (laughs) Just random trivia out of nowhere in real life. Like that's still a thing.
1: Fascinating. Yeah. That, that came up in an, another movie we were watching where something about like men wearing women's lingerie. And I forget which one it was, but in one of our, in one of our episodes of mm-hmm. that, that came up. I forgot which one. Um, what else? Oh, uh, as Ed, as Ed builds his team, they are each introduced in their element. So if you want to kind of cut really quickly to the heart of a character, as you introduce them in a film, Show them in their element. When you see Bella Lugosi introduced, he's literally in a coffin, which that's true. Literally harkens back to Dracula. When you see uh, uh, Tor, uh, the,
0: the wrestler, wrestler yeah. yeah,
1: he's literally in a ring yeah. wrestling. So multiple introductions take place like that. You know, uh, Vampira, you see her on her show. True. So you instantly know kind of where these characters are with their background, with their specialty. It's a cool is. shortcut. Yes, it is. Show them in their environment. Um, a clean lift is a scene you can take out of the script without any additional writing and there were there was there was a a, a clean lift out of this film that dealt with i forgot what, but it's something that they were able to take it out in the writing mm-hmm. and they didn't have they didn't have to write anything additional because it was like okay, we just lift this whole part out, and the film can just keep going okay so um also, write what you know. When, when the, the writers found out that Tim Burton might direct the film, then they decided to really have the script focus on the relationship between Ed Wood and Bella Lugosi because they found it reflective of Tim Burton's relationship with Vincent Price. Okay. I'm with it. Yes, sir. And the last tip I have is a screenwriter, as a screenwriter, you want your main character to have as much conflict as possible. Keeps him okay. interesting, and so we see Ed in constant conflict—not only what he's trying to make, but also in his personal relationships, in his personal life. Um, yeah, constant conflict for Mister sure. Wood.
0: For sure, I think this film overall is a good film. It's a—I would recommend it for filmmakers. Wouldn't re- probably wouldn't recommend it for the casual audience, but uh, definitely for filmmakers. Watch the commentary. I think it's full of great filmmaking tips you know for your your filmmaking journey ha-huh, <laughs> um and what are we diving into next week
1: cable guy
0: this will be fun jim carrey owned the 90s let's just
1: say that he did he he blew up in the 90s he was everywhere mhm in mass. living color and then on that big screen man the mass
0: ace Ventura a dumb dumb and dumb dumber yeah <laughs>
1: Yes, sir. Yeah, he killed it. But uh, you can catch us where? Facebook.com forward slash Filmmaker Commentary. You can also find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and on Spotify. You can find us on Twitter. He is at Reggie Titus. I am at KCGSmith32. We're also on the Gram at Filmmaker Commentary. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think of the show. He is on the Gram at Reginald Titus Jr. That's Jr. And I'm at KCGSmith32.
0: Until next time, peace,
1: respect.